0: What's up guys this week's episode is on winning friends and influencing people the famous book by the godfather of self-help Dale Carnegie We'll talk about handling people the power of baiting the hook to suit the fish Listening empathizing self-deprecation giving those around you a reputation to live up to All tools that will help you share your voice build your business and live the life of your dreams let's go welcome to your voice to the world i'm eddie Panero, speaker filmmaker and storyteller teaming up with Terrence mcmahon retired ceo and best-selling author having built multi-million dollar businesses and created lifestyle brands enjoyed by millions around the world we've established a blueprint to do more and become more now we're joining forces to inspire you to share your voice and build the business and lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Welcome to the Your Voice to the World podcast. I'm Eddie Panero. I'm Terrence McMahon. And we help you share your voice. And build your business. And, uh, oh boy, we got a staple today. Um, but before we talk about it, going to mention one more time our contest for the SM, I'm not holding it to the right camera, the SM7B microphone. Um, we're doing a giveaway. It's an incredible mic. It's one of the best podcasting mics, if not the staple for podcasting mics. Um, I record all my Your World Within videos. Joe Rogan uses it. I always say Michael Jackson uses that's a fun fact. an Entire album with that Thriller, uh, that microphone. So all you have to do to enter is leave a review on the Your Voice to the World podcast. We're going to pick a name, pick a review, and uh, send it your way. So super excited about that. Awesome, yeah, man. It's so really good awesome. to have
1: uh, good sound, uh, particularly in audio. If you're going to be a podcaster, you need to good to audio. I that's think number first. one, it's number, number one. one. So we have How to Win Friends and Influence People. You might ask, why was this book done in the second season? Uh, answer is, we're not sure. It's <laughs> such a good <laughs> answer book. Is we don't know. Uh, the only book you'll need to lead you to success. Um, and there are diamonds in this book, packed full of ideas, takeaways, on how to uh, attract people, how to win friends, influence people, advance your brand, share your message, build your business. These are all stables of business acumen and conduct
0: yeah so much of your world and your existence is based on how you act and and this is a lot of it's it's different perspectives different ways to interact with other people um, that place the onus on you to sort of transform the situation how can you behave how can you interpret things how can you tell stories in ways that ultimately get you what you want and some of it seems common sense, um, some of it not so much, but it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's really good stuff to have in your toolbox.
1: Yeah, everyone compares all the current self-help books. Many of them are just rewrites of this book. The principles That's that were true. written That's by Dale true. Carnegie in 1936, 85 years ago or so, are the base principles of many of the books we've already reviewed. And we've already referenced this book many times in our previous episodes. Uh, these are timeless um, Ideas and takeaways that you can use on a daily basis, adopt, create yeah. habits with. Uh, and he, books, he breaks the book down into four, four parts. And we'll take a stab at each part as it specifically relates to the objective of this podcast, right? How to, how to use that to bolster your message and build your business to win people to your way of thinking, influence them, create fans, create a tribe. All of which is hugely, I think, uh, useful. I like that. Maybe we can do just our favorite part for each of the four sections. Sweet. Um, but
0: before Steve, am I completely making this up? Is Dale Carnegie the godfather of self-help? Or I've I've heard someone mention <laughs> that. Will you Google that? Yeah, sure. Um, and I don't know if I'm just completely fabricating that, but um,
1: <laughs> he might be. Uh, I, I swear he, I've heard he's it. In the, you know, he's in the. Uh, He's in the Napoleon Hill era. I mean, yeah. he, they're they're close. I think he I think he is a uh, uh, earlier than Napoleon Hill. I don't know. We'd have to check all that out. But yeah. he's right in the hunt. You know, when you say the best of the best. Well, I did
2: look up just now, and I see I just googled "Godfather of Self Help" to see what came up, and it says Carnegie. So, but biggest legacy is as the father of self help movement. There we go. All right.
0: Yeah, all right,
1: he cool. still has an institute that's. Uh, very effective training organization that teaches these principles 85 years later. Or I think over 40 or 50 million copies of this book are in uh, circulation right now. This is at least the fourth or fifth one. Every time I had this book, I'd lend it to someone who needed it. Uh, and I Never comes <laughs> back to you. <laughs> well, it's, it's also kind of a, a tongue in cheek insult, right? Hey, take a look at this book, How to Win Friends. You know, you say, you, you don't know how to win friends. You have no friends. Read this book. And maybe you'll have some friends, but uh, maybe they're offended and just threw it in the garbage. So, if, so if anyone ever hands you that book, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. But I gave a guy a book once and he got pissed off at me. I forget what it was about. No, it was about vision. I, it was a vision book, How to Create a Vision Board. He got offended that I gave him the book. Yeah. Uh, and there's principles in the book to address that. There's a principle, actually, that we'll talk about uh, how you can address when someone has a fault, how you can bring it to their attention. Actually, I have something the, the uh, similar it. to that. Uh, in Phil Jackson's book, The Eleven Rings,
2: he tries to build his team and like build a tribe among his team. And one thing he did was give each person a book that he thought would help shape them or kind of teach them something about themselves. And some people would read them, some people wouldn't. Kobe was one of them who like, wouldn't read it. Sometimes he would. But it was very interesting because he said it, it was a great way to build a relationship with him and his players, but also like, help them see learn from greats and kind of build that mindset that he wanted with his, within his team. And the way you said that when you gave someone a book, sometimes they got mad at you. Because maybe they looked inward, but it was just such a cool fact that I never thought of a coach giving this player books to kind of teach them about themselves.
1: That's interesting. That's really uh, cool. Yes, yeah, so we, 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 we curate books. So we read books together. We're all reading the same book uh, right now. We just decided to read yesterday. We're going to read The um, the Obstacles of the Way by Ryan Holiday. It's going to be a, an episode. So we read the books together. We talk about the books. We design the format of conversation about the books. The best way to, to take a book in, if you want to... Enjoy a book, get this, and read it with someone that you like, that you enjoy talking to. Yeah. Um, it's a really good way to, to connect with somebody, to make connections. Uh,
0: Especially because you relate it to your experiences. You know, like we talk about it in the context of what we're doing, which is important because it helps us remember. You know, it's, we do books every week, and there are books like the Weintraub book, um, where I read it three years ago. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to go back and read it, you know, because given the context, there was a lot that I've I for, I forgotten. Right. And so but like when you read it with someone and you chat about it, like it just helps. It's a different kind of memorization,
1: you know. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, that's how, that, that's how we read, you know, read a book. And then if you want to really learn a book, uh, teach it to someone else. That's how you get the elevated level of learning. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to share the four the four principles and then we can kind of wrap cool. around the principle. Or part number one, the book's broken into four parts. The first part is fundamental techniques of handling people. Uh, which is interesting. He, has, he shares some um, some techniques on how to, how to handle people in situations. Uh, part two, six ways to help to make people like you. Interesting language, right? Make people like you. Part three is how to win people to your way of thinking, influence. The etymology of influence is to flow into. Uh, how do you flow your ideas into somebody? And part four is on leadership, how to be a leader and how to change people without giving... Offense or arousing resentment, which is a big deal. I talked about when you give someone a book. How can you give them the book without them getting pissed off? There's a way to do it. I right. we'll teach it to you today. So you can, someone who needs a personality makeover. You don't just say, hey, listen, read chapter six. Yeah. Uh, this will save your life, yeah, buddy. You can just basically say, this book really helped me uh, connect with people. I got a deal. I got a promotion after I read right. this idea. If you're interested, here you go. It's a different way. So let's go. Let's do number one, man. Fundamentals in handling people. Yeah.
0: Um, this is really cool.
1: Backstory to this was he was, uh, he's what he fished in Maine, right? And he likes berries.
0: Yep, yep. And he noticed that when he was sort of, we probably, maybe wasn't noticing, but it was a realization that fish don't like what he likes. Fish <laughs> like worms. Um, and so, you know, to take it into a metaphorical level, you always want a bait. The hook to suit the fish um meaning everyone has this sense of me they know what they want right they see the world from their lens and his big idea is hey take a second and move out of your own movie and into their world ask yourself what they want um which I think is a, is a common sense, simple thing, but people don't do
1: it. I love the story. I mean, imagine if he sat up in Maine and he wanted to catch a fish to eat and survive, and he's putting berries on the hook. Right. You get nothing. I mean, are you, do you have berries on your message? Do you have berries on your, on your idea that you're trying to flow into people? Is it, is it not what they want? You got to put worms on your idea.
0: Right, <laughs> right. Right. Um, and you know, looking at today's day and age, if we want to take you know that concept and, and apply it, it's like the the divisiveness right now in the country. You know, I always equate it to just a lack of understanding, a lack of seeing someone else's perspective, a lack of looking at what they want on their hook and why. Right? It's much easier to say, hey, they want something different. They're not like me. They see the world differently. Mm-hmm. So they are X, Y, and Z, and I am the opposite. Um, but ultimately. When you come and you ask yourself the question, well, why? You realize that people have more in common than they do. Often, people want to get to the same result; they just have different ideas, different mechanisms for getting there. Yeah, you know,
1: you you could they'll tell you too if you ask them. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about this community that we have: that people give us ideas like this would be nice. We we ask people what they want to hear, what they want to learn; they'll tell you. Yeah, people will tell you, and uh, the information is sitting right there. If he asked the fish, what do they want? The fish would say, we like worms. Right. Give me one and I'll eat it and you can eat me. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Um, And you started to say before I I, I rudely cut you
0: off, like, you're you're force-feeding people berries. Like, a lot of times we're giving people what they don't want, Um, particularly uh, in business. You know? Um, Miller talks about it. Right. You know, um, are you are you looking at it from their point of view, or are you trying to force feed something down someone else's uh, throat? Because uh, that's
1: one way to kill a brand and a business real quick. You know, it's interesting. Uh, again, the books that come back to the building a story brand. You know, you're not the hero of the story. You are the guide, and the guide gives the fish the worm. Right. right. Teaches them how to eat it. Uh, you know, there's a great, great uh, legend of Walmart that there was a common complaint of car- Kmart. There was three, pr- three problems with Kmart that built Walmart that Sam Walton used to invert those complaints. Uh, old stores, poorly lit, long lines, Kmart. Walton was advertising brand new stores, well lit. If there's more than three people in line, we'll open another checkout. That was ground zero, zero to the Walmart momentum that created it. So he gave everybody what they wanted. He listened.
0: Would well, that be a cool book to do at some point?
1: I haven't read that. Is it I'd made lo- in America. That.
0: Uh, I think so.
1: Steve, what's the Walmart book? Uh, Same I think it's called Made uh, in America.
2: I'll look it
0: up. Was that because it might have been him? That some of it's hearsay. I forget
1: if I read it or heard it. But I like have the book. I just bought it. I, d- I clicked it too quickly. I bought it in Spanish for some reason. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak Spanish yet? <laughs> yeah, see yeah, how much you can get. <laughs> get. Right. Uh, another another idea. I'm While he's about looking that. at that, another idea. Uh, if you have a message that you want to connect to, this is just a simple way of building a business. This is almost ground zero. That's why we picked it. Your competitors, if you have one, if your message isn't unique, and it usually isn't, there's usually somebody else talking about what you do, have clients, and those clients have complaints, and those complaints are findable. Is that a word? Findable. You can find them online. Uh, so if you're, you're a doctor and you're doing a procedure, you go to your com, your com, your your competitor and look at their Amazon reviews. Right. And see what people are complaining about and build a product that serves that complaint. Right. That's usually a client screaming, I want worms, I want That's what I was going to say. I think it was Sam Walton who studied
0: the his opponent or his competitor's store so well that
2: he knew the distance between products, the the size of the aisles where things were. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm seeing um, I'm seeing a few. I'm seeing the Walmart Way Inside Story of the Success yeah. at the Walmart Effect, mm-hmm. and um, Walmart: A History of Sam Walton's Retail Something. Just Google Sam, Sam Walton, Walton, Walton. book. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I had another thing. Remember when we went to that mastermind and uh, that guy? We were listening to Dan Fleischman talk. Yeah. And he was saying, and you have a product. It's not always great to be first. You can. And he said look at the we, he had a product they saw what they did wrong The right. shipping took like six eight weeks he's like you will make it ship in one week and the, he just killed it
1: yeah that's what um, facebook did he did that with myspace um myspace didn't have friends didn't allow people to they got there was uh, too many uh, creepers so he had a friend system so you couldn't follow someone unless they accepted you as a friend that was what more community and more right? picture and more pictures yeah yeah he allowed for, for multiple pictures um yeah, but you you um, yeah, give them what they want. This is it's not this is not a a complex uh, thing. If you have a starving crowd, the Jay Abraham used to say, if you you're a restaurant and you had one advantage over all other restaurants, it wouldn't be location, it wouldn't be food, it wouldn't be service, it wouldn't be anything. It wouldn't be anything but hungry people. Yeah. So if you have hungry people and you put a restaurant there, guess what? People who come Can I eat.
2: Yeah. Made in America
1: Sam Walton made in America
2: oh
1: <laughs> yeah. he, he got caught he was arrested once in, in like Peru he was crawling around on the floor and they, <laughs> they called him. some old man yeah he's in jail in Peru or something this is, I think it's Peru or Argentina and he's crawling around and, and they, he finally gets they get a hold of him he says we have Sam Walton in jail down here he was crawling around on the floor and I guess he was measuring. The floors. That's the was, story was I was thinking He was about. measuring his yeah, yeah, stores yeah. like a, a billionaire on the ground measuring. It's <laughs> awesome. Totally awesome. That's and simple idea. You yeah. Give everybody what they want. All right, part two. Six ways to make people like you.
0: Um well the one that stood out to me the most um, was to simply listen. You know, my my grandfather always used to say, if you wanna if you're ever in a situation um, you know where you need to interact with someone you don't know what to say. Just ask them a question because people love to talk about themselves, and they'll do it forever.
1: This so costs <laughs> me so much money. I'm so impulsive. I was the kid to raise their hand. I interrupt people. Cost me lots of lots of money. Uh, it's it's uh, Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that I mean, I, oh, just when you're when people want to buy and you interrupt them, they'll the, you, you break the spell. They're telling you something, they're not at the point, and you interrupt them, as I do so frequently, and I don't do it intentionally. I'm working hard on not doing that. You, you interrupt that spell. They're transporting into something, and you stopped it. So when you do that, you, you, the rhythm is broken. Right. And you break rapport. It breaks rapport, really. I mean, that's, when you're in a relationship of rapport, you're in r- mutual trust. There's no greater way, in my mind, to be in rapport than it is to listen to somebody.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, not only that, you can learn learn about them. Yeah. You know?
1: Like Emerson said, uh, every man is my superior in some way. There's always one thing you can learn from yeah. everybody. Everybody, There's always one thing someone knows, even Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you know more than me about well, a lot of things. Uh, maybe dunking? Well, what about the picture you put on Instagram last night, by the way? Uh, I was with somebody, and they thought that was airbrush. Which one's Oh, the Flexen. <laughs> Flexen. <or? laughs> no. I, I mean, I edited the colors and things
2: like that, but that was just... Nice pump right after the, the workout. The yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a badass picture. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Are you Thank really that man. big? Yeah, now I am. Yeah, yeah. I've been, because I've been, it always like my barometer is my jumping. And if I'm jumping well, I keep working on av- everything else. And as long as my jumping's doing well, I keep trying to improve everything else. Oh.
1: Yeah. That's interesting.
2: <laughs> what are you known for, Steve? Uh, right now, it's sort of dunking, definitely. But also in the dunking community, I'm definitely the more personable person. Uh, speaking, how to win influence. This thing is kind of opening my eyes to what I did right because I'm very good at the engagement, as Eddie always points out. Um, and I give a lot of appreciation because I am very grateful for people. Actually, somebody I woke up this morning and somebody posted a picture of a drawing of like of me dunking, and it was an incredible like work of art. And I like posted it everywhere. I said thanks. I posted it on at, like multiple platforms, and I I just thought it was a s- cool piece of art. But now like reading this book and also just looking at it from more of a business strategic standpoint, nobody else really goes that far. Like some people might just like the, because he mentioned me in his story. I could have easily just liked it, wrote something simple, but I shared it everywhere and gave him like a ton of praise. So now he's probably like a really big fan. And that was just my, in, my inherent nature. But if you're reading this book, that's something you could implement It's like go above and beyond for someone who kind of does something like that for you.
0: It's really cool because I, I didn't know anything about the dunk community until, uh, you know, we, we met. And now I follow it and I, you know, follow a lot of people that you're friends with, mm-hmm. right? We have mutual friends and there's a lot of dunkers, a lot of talented dunkers. But to your point, like you're the only that I know of like personality. Right. Um, which is cool. It's like a totally different level. You are, you know, giving the people what they want. You yeah. know, you're going above and beyond. Um, and it's pretty cool. That is cool.
1: Thank you. Yeah, you make a niche. Um, that question that I asked him is a question that I, that I like to ask in restaurants. And you can ask that if somebody, if you want to get them talking about themselves, is what are you known for? What are you known for? Mm-hmm. So if you're in a good restaurant and you're eating, and you know when the waiter is either well-trained or you're, you're, you're on to something, like what are you known for here at, I was just in Key West. I went to um, this restaurant. She goes, you got to try our burger. We're the number one burger. And she went on. Least five minutes about it. Yeah. I was like, I don't even like hamburger. I like hamburgers, but I don't want to be. I was like, I love the hamburger. Right. right. She right, sold right. me because she was so excited to tell me out, and we had rapport. And that's like a great question to ask somebody is what are you known for? Or what would you like to be known for? Yeah. And that's kind of combining this with the first one. You know, figure out what people want. You can almost do this. You can almost put two of the moves together to create that lollapalooza that.
0: Yeah. Charlie Munger talks about,
1: like, can you put two together? And three, by the way, in the, in the, you know, if you want people to like you, just smile. Right. Like, even if you don't feel like it, if you smile, the, the physiology will make you feel better. The chemicals will be released. Science. Yeah. So that's three. It's an easy, that's an easy thing yeah. to do. This yeah. is like a recipe for, for, for influencing someone. And by the way, uh, my, my boy Emerson also wrote, who you are shouts so loudly in my ears, I cannot hear a word you say. So, if you're faking it, people will pick up on it. Yeah. So, you can't kind of fake it. You got to really be interested.
0: He calls out that difference, you know, being authentic versus sort of manufacturing this, 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 um, pretending you care. People see right through that. Yeah. You know, you can
1: always tell. Always, tell. you always got. You know why? You're. You know what thing I appreciate about you is you're a quiet guy in a business meeting. You barely ever say anything.
0: Yeah. You know what, change, <laughs> what changed it would change that for me? Well, I was never a big talk. Like I like to. I, I'm just methodical with my thinking, and and I love to soak in. Sometimes too much, right? To a fault, but I love to soak in everything, analyze it, and then sort of make my. Um, but I. But that quote that I mentioned on, oh, or statistic that I've mentioned on a previous podcast, where it's like. The quietest person in the room is always deemed to be the most intelligent because right. um, they th- and whether that's true or not. I mean, it depends every meeting. But like people presume that because you're being reflective and you're thinking, you know, yeah. Um, yeah and I keep that as sort of the forefront of, of how I engage with
1: others. There's an old sales technique um, is you never answer a question. You ask the question again. Mm. And it's, it's annoying if someone doesn't know how to do it. Like, <laughs> I can see that being yeah, obnoxious. Yeah, like ask me a question. I'll see if I can, I can do it. Okay. Um, just like an absurd question I, that you no, don't just, know the just answer just to. Just ask me something, yeah.
0: Who was the, the,
1: the first president of the United States? Who it? Well, who would the second one be, first? <laughs> John Adams. That's a good question. Who, then who was third? Um,
0: Jefferson. Why is it important to
1: you? Because I just,
0: I just feel like uh, it, it's important to understand the foundations of the country. If we're gonna live here and prosper, together. do you like living here? I love right. living here. So, so what you just
1: what you just did, was politics. So you, you, you I mean, it's not necessarily a, a good technique to be good at. Um, a lot of times, when people ask you questions that you're not particularly ready to answer, like how long have you been doing this? Like that's an unusual first question. I'm wondering why you asked. Right. And they'll say, well, I mean, were you? screwed over by someone who didn't know what they were doing or is it super important to you right and then you might be able to get a better question um but it's about not necessarily doing the talking as opposed to doing uh one, one, one other question that's a good question in an in interaction is why did you agree to have this meeting today there's another one too i call it the taco <laughs> okay taco is uh it's a it's a it's a framework for a meeting and. It, it's, it's a four-step process, and I didn't expect to talk about this, but T is time. And I'm wondering how much time you had today for our meeting, Ed. And let's pretend you said 30 minutes. So you said, well, I have 30 minutes. So if you have less than 30 minutes, you say, well, I only have 15, <laughs> and it's going to be plenty of time. But if you have 30 minutes, you say, okay, we have 30 minutes, and it's 12 o'clock. So it's 1230, and we're walking out the door. We had a great meeting. What did we accomplish today? What did you learn? And that's what's called agenda. So time, agenda. And then they'll say, oh, I want to learn, you know, we're in insurance, like, I want to learn how to save money for retirement. It's like, oh, great, what else? I want to learn college. Okay, great. And then the third one is uh, is questions. Uh, Okay, to do that in 30 minutes, I'm going to have to ask you questions. You're going to ask me questions. And after we asked and answered one another's questions, one of three things is going to happen, which is outcome O, taco, You're either going to want to meet again, which we're going to schedule a meeting, or you're going to see something that makes you not want to meet, which we're going to terminate our relationship. Or I may see something that we can't help you with, which we're going to also terminate the relationship. So that's a whole framework of getting clients, kind of adding a couple together. Mm -hmm. It's it's called the taco. And so
0: you, you create, by doing that, a framework that you set the foundation, and then you can listen, get the information you need, shape that, and ultimately help the client
1: did it the same way every time too. So it was a framework and also always got me on target and it, it had an agreement at the end. Like there was an agreement that we're going to proceed or discontinue at the end. Right. Um, it's just a way to, to have uh, dialogue. When you're in, a, in exchange with somebody, remember there's only a few questions that they're going to ever ask you. You should might as well learn the answers to them once right. and always have them ready. Um, but if you want people to like you, ask the questions, uh, what's important to them, what do they want to know know known for, what what do they want.
2: Super important. Have you seen,
1: (laughs) it just reminded me of the 40-year-old
2: Virgin, when he, uh, that movie with Steve Carell, when he was uh, talking to the librarian, and his friend's like, just ask questions. And he goes up to him, and she's like, what's your name? He's like, what's your name? And then he was like, (laughs) he said also, he said, uh, she's like, can I help you? And he was like, can I help you? like He said it awkwardly, but it started to work, and it was really funny. And it reminds me of how that. old are you?
1: 27. <laughs> <Just answer. laughs> this is another movie yeah. in the making. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Sorry, Steve. Okay. You're the producer, so you could actually cut that out if you feel like I'm it. leaving it. I love it. Um, that's great. Let's, uh, let's keep listening, is so huge. It's everything. Um, All right,
0: so moving on to number three how to win people to your way of thinking. Um, you know, something that is definitely uh, one of the most important ones, and that we were joking about. This is is the first thing you can do to defuse a situation: admit you're wrong, admit the fault, fall on the sword. It really le- lessens the blows you get from uh, from the opposing party.
1: <laughs> I was remembering our first one of the very few arguments we had, what two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I should have admitted that you were wrong right away. Oh my god! <laughs> no, we had a we had a quick a quick. Uh, yeah, well, the the we had like a little disagreement. It was very healthy and fun. And the problem with arguing with Eddie is he's super quick, you know, and a comeback. So you get like six six punches to the nose before you know you're getting hit, <laughs> and then you're on your <laughs> defense. And <laughs> so <laughs> you're so good, you're a, you're a quick witted guy. Um, but this principle is about if you're wrong and you know you're wrong, and you don't want to get yelled at, just call yourself out.
0: Yeah. Right. 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 Tell the dog story. That was awesome.
1: Oh, he, he's walking his dog. I guess he was in, he might have lived in Boston. I think it was a mounted police officer who was in the park, and Carnegie's walking his dog. I think his name was Rex. And he he, you know, in the park, he's supposed to have the dog on a leash. So he let the dog run around, and the cop came up and started berating him that he's going to bring you before the judge. He's going to get you a big fine. Don't ever do that again. He was this big, giant, loud cop, probably in a bad mood. And he, you know, he got in a little jam with the cop, and then he said, fine, he put the leash on. And then like, as soon as the cop left, um, or maybe a week, week or two later, he's doing it again. He like, let the dog run around. And the cop, he sees the cop like, hustling over to him on his horse again. He goes, oh, no. But before the cop spoke, he said, listen, you got me red-handed. I'm wrong. I deliberately disobeyed you. You should have every right to you know, find me and do everything you said you're going to do. I'm a horrible person. Um, I'm sorry. And then the cop started, like apologizing. He goes, "Well, it's just a dog. It's not a big deal after all, is it?" And, he, and the cop ended up being on his side and, and having the punishment a lot less. Right. You see that with people, right? Hundred percent. They they get called out on things. They start defending them themselves, and they get terrorized over it.
0: Yeah, like like self-deprecation and and just being vulnerable. Automatically takes people to a place of compassion because they can empathize. They've been in that situation, right. you know. It's it's very uh, it's a total different story when you're talking to someone who's never wrong, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, or who thinks they're never. You know what I'm saying.
1: The uh, politicians, I think, uh, do a pretty bad job at this in general, don't they? They, they don't own things they've done in the past, or they're switching horses all the time.
0: Right. Um, it's it's hard. Like I I feel like in today's day and age, I was thinking about this, you know, because being able to say I'm sorry I was wrong or I changed the, my, my way of thinking or I thought that one way. Um, but, you know, after experience and learning, I have a different opinion now. Right. You can't in politics because everything you say is forever and you just get crucified. It's, it's almost like a no-win situation. Right. Um, I don't know. That's, that's tough.
1: Well, you have the issue medically, too, and you go through a medical issue. Like, everyone's got to I guess in, in jail, too, right? They all kind of make up reasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, why know why they're there like someone screwed them or they got caught or oh, they didn't shit. do it yeah. like yeah <laughs> the, Shawshank you know, the, 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 yeah it was in Shawshank when Andy's had playing catch with uh, with red he says lawyer screwed me you know it's like this <laughs> I'm the only guilty guy in Shawshank I guess right right right, right. But, uh, in medical in the medical world when you have a like an issue like I had acute liver failure right terminal end-stage liver failure caused by alcohol so someone says what happened it's like, alcohol liver failure bad thing <laughs> right you own it and it's over you don't have a long conversation about oh, what was this or what was that it was what it was own it and it's over
0: that, exactly and yeah. that it's sort of a step away from this a little bit but i i think we should talk about it cuz it's so important like if you just personally for yourself you know if you don't even when things aren't your fault, technically, if you don't live under the presumption that they are and that you were wrong, this is actually a huge pivot from this. But it, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't live life with that mentality, um, you're never in the position to fix it because nothing's ever your fault. So it's almost like ment- it's if, if your default setting is anything you don't like is your problem, it's your fault. Um, I've found that that helps me tremendously because then the question goes to, okay, how can I fix it? As opposed to, okay, who screwed me? In which right. case you're helpless,
1: but that's you know? actually a, a principle later on in the next chapter. Is like, don't just come out and say someone's wrong. You know, well, you, right, you, you could right, say right. like, "Hey, listen, we're all we've all been wrong. I'm wrong many, many times." You know, right, and then you can kind of frame it.
0: But for the purpose, because he bases this on like relationships, yeah. right? And, and so I'm saying like even personal relationships, like with yourself, oh, uh, to see. propel yourself forward. If your internal process is, "Hey, Ed, you don't like this. It's your fault. Fix it." even if it's not, which is tough for people to get around because not everyone's been dealt the same hand. Like some people, life's not fair. you right. know. And it's easy to project out and get angry. Um, but if, if you have the keys, you can drive the car wherever you want to go.
1: That is true. Because remember the study we talked about a couple of books ago? that I think it was Jordan Peterson, right? The, the, um, the person born with money. Doesn't always have any money. Success wasn't right. it about the principles. That like, right. and then somebody that is born with nothing that had all the odds stacked against them. If they have the attributes, the the the, the, the programming in their in their DNA, so right. to speak, their their positive meta- attitude and they're following good rules.
0: IQ is a better indicator of success than wealth at birth.
1: There you go. That was the one. Hundred percent. That was Peterson, right?
0: Yeah, Yep. Yeah. Um, or at least he he carried that message, but. Anyway, I diverge. Well,
1: you're defending yourself, right? You're you're defending yourself against others, but you're also defending, you're talking about defending yourself against yourself. Our own biases. Yeah, like you made a mistake, you call yourself out.
0: Still a relationship, you know?
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. We're big liars to ourselves. We spend the whole day lying to ourselves a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Excessive self-regard bias.
0: Oh, man, that gets a lot of people.
1: Oh, my God, yeah. People, people are usually a higher, greater of their own ability than they really are, usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All Let's right. go on to four.
0: How to change people without offense or resentment. Now, you, sir, are the master of this. I see you do this so much. Give someone a reputation to live up to.
1: This is such a good one. We we talked about John Denver when you you, you were yeah, telling the story right. about John Denver was being a prima donna when Jerry Weintraub put him on the map. He was a saloon singer basically with the dorky glasses and the long hair, and Jerry Jerry packaged him into this great singer, um, in international success. And he was in Europe on tour, and he ended up complaining, and he said he was going to fire John and and uh, Jerry came up to him he had to fly across the country and and, and Jerry said "Well John you're not the type of guy that would threaten to fire somebody are you?" I guess you're yeah. right. Not I guess me. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well the story the story that I tell uh, for this uh, the, the the principle is give a dog a good name. And the story in the book is he he has there's a mechanic whose work has been falling and the boss brings him in and t- talks to him about, "Hey, you're the best mechanic. You've always been the best mechanic. People have modeled you. You've taught classes, but you know, as of late, you're kind of slipping." And the mechanic goes, "Yes, I am the best at it." Um, you know, and he started performing better. But the story in my my world is, uh, and he's a listener. Is my my the kid I used to he used to drive my. Uh, I had a chauffeur-driven bus, and Tony drove my bus. And
0: Roll Tide.
1: Yeah, I called him Roll Tide Tony, but he ended up being called On Time Tony because one day when the Red Sox were playing opening day, Tony slept in, and he showed up 20 or 30 minutes late, and we had 8 or 10 people waiting to go to the game. They wanted to kill him, and I wanted to kill him, and I wanted to fire him, but he was like my son. And one of my buddies said, don't fire him. You know. And then I remember this book, and a week or two later, he was early. He was early for a little while. So I said, you know, Tony, what I appreciate about you? is that you're on time all the time, which wasn't necessarily true. I said, we're <laughs> going to start calling you on time, Tony. So I gave Tony an excellent reputation to live up to, and he's never late again. He's yep. always prided himself. He goes, I'm on time, Tony. I'll be there on time. Yep. And you, that's a just a management technique. If someone's acting up, you, 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 you can position it and frame it so that they can live up to who they really are.
0: There's a really cool story, and I I almost want to apologize to both of you because you've heard me say it so many (laughs) times, and and probably people in the podcast have too. But I imagine there are some new listeners. So uh, the story about Rod uh, writing the check over at the Margaritaville. Um, Right. So long story short, I got an email from someone. This is when I was I was newer in career, and um, he he sent me an email and he said, "Eddie, you know, um, you know, I'm a Hollywood producer, and I am." you know, I watch your speeches. I'm looking for you to write a speech for one of my keynotes. And I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. This is a step forward. And, um, you know, ultimately he flies down at the lobby of Margaritaville and, uh, he's talking about himself, all the things that he's done. And I'm sitting there with like my jaw to the floor. I'm like, this is a very impressive dude. Um, and he explains what he wants written. He goes, all right, Ed, what's it going to cost me? And I'm like, look, Rod, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care. I just want to you know, I'm, I'm happy about the relationship. And he goes, come on, Eddie, be a salesman, right? And he, he takes out a check, and he wrote it for more than I'd ever made at that point and pointed to the number on the check. And he says, from now on, you're never worth less than that number. That's your number, right? And and you're that good. That's you. That's who you are. And as I left, and I truly mean this, I did not care about the money. I didn't think about the money, but I left feeling like the man i felt like a million bucks because uh i had a new reputation to live up to like it felt like i felt like i was that much better um not because of anything tangible but because there was a new standard that's it you know
1: it's that easy just like that it's just the, it's like the that. new it's the new floor i mean that's your base rate right and it's gone up from there
0: yeah but i mean without that you know, there's nowhere to go up from. Right.
1: So nobody, like will, very few I me mean, said what a great gift you got from the guy. I mean, what a, what a, what a guy. I met, I'll the, me I met him. Them. He's a fantastic dude. Um, we met him out in LA. We're looking at a deal and he's the type of guy that lives as a mentor. Like a good mentor will do that to somebody. If you catch somebody not being who they really are, you got to call them out and say, listen, you're the, you're the best at this. You're the best in the world at this. And you could be the better, you know, always be, always play at this level. Mm. Um, it's a mentorship, but uh, then of course, when no one's watching, there's no greater inner critic than yourself. Is give your own self a reputation to live up to. It's one of the basis of my book. You know, the world, yeah. the world uh, superhero self means anyone can recover from anything at any time and recreate themselves into anybody they want. It's powerful stuff. Given what you have already, not going out and taking a pill, or going to some seminar, or buying anything, you have all the. DNA embedded in you to make massive transformation, and then if you live up to yourself and call yourself a superhero rather than whatever the world wants you to call yourself, you'll start living that.
0: You always say, um, you know, if if you don't create your own identity, the world will give you one. Yeah, and I think that's such a such a powerful thing.
1: It's a suit they want you to wear it.
0: You create your standard.
1: Yeah, the world you're a number to the world. You can't be a number to yourself.
0: Right. <laughs> Woo! That's a powerful wrap-up right there. I think, uh, boom! Yeah. I think oh. we checked off all four boxes. What do you, Steve? Anything that you think we missed that you thought was important? Nope, nothing that comes to mind. So, all right. So, what's next week?
1: Well, I was just looking. Uh, well, I think we're reading Ryan Holiday. Oh, that's right. That's book right. the uh, the obstacles away. About I love the concept because we were talking about we've been. In modern books, and we're shooting back to 1936. Now I want to go back 2,000 years into <laughs> into, into the Greek uh, culture of the Stoic, the Epicurean, and the Cynics, the three camps of thought. The Stoics were thinking for 100 years ahead. The Epicureans were Yolos. You only live once, baby. Rock and roll. And then you had the Cynics. Um, and I know that book kind of touches on that. I just love it. Uh, You know, who are you, Stoic or Epicurean? Are you living for today or tomorrow or blending it? This book will be very cool.
0: Yeah, I'm pumped. I've read Ego is the Enemy. I've not read Obstacles the Way. You know this guy. Um, I've worked with him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know him better than I do then. That's true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) True. Uh, But yeah, I'm really excited to dive in. Yeah, he's a a great author, so I can't wait.
0: And don't forget, guys, if you're enjoying this, uh, head down to the app, leave a review. Um, Steve's got some info
2: about calling in as well with with questions or or comments. Yeah. So just a reminder, if you want to call in, if you want to leave a text, the number is 754-273-6069. And those texts and voicemails will be used on this podcast. So These guys will answer your questions. All right. See you next week. Take care.